Picture this. You finished your first book and nailed it. The plot, the characters, all the twists and turns. This one's a winner, and all you need is the right cover. If you've got my art skills, this is the part where panic usually sets in. Enter the cover villain, hero to writers everywhere. Founded by noted author Remy Flagg, Cover Villain focuses on composite image covers for science fiction and fantasy writers. Give them the details, and they'll craft a cover using popular trends that everyone will want to see. But wait, you say, I've got ideas of my own. No problem, as Cover Villain loves a good collaboration. As they say, our goal is to put a little villain in every cover we make. Want to know more? Then head to CoverVillain.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. How's it going, everyone? And welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for music, movies, and more. I'm your host, Max Bowen. Well, once again, we are heading back to Boston. I am chatting with singer-songwriter Matt Jacola for his two newest singles, When Tomorrow Comes and Japanese Butterfly. Now, both of these were written at different stages of Matt's battle with cancer. He is now cancer-free for one year and counting. When Tomorrow Comes was written shortly after he received his diagnosis in early 2020, just as the pandemic struck. Japanese Butterfly was penned just as his treatment was coming to an end. We talk a lot about Matt's mindset when he began writing the songs, and why he wanted to share the journey through his music. Boston-based singer-songwriter Matt Jacola for his numerous new singles. It's been a little while, and, and, and the man has been busy at work. He has kicked the ass of cancer, and now he is kicking ass with numerous amazing new songs. Matt, welcome back, man. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much. Oh, Appreciate that. No problem, dude. Just my sincere congratulations to you uh, being in remission from, from cancer. It's, a, it's wonderful news, and my sincere hopes to the future that all your doctor's visits are the most boring, mundane things possible. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, me too. That's that's the goal. Yeah. As boring as possible is good. Exactly. Uh, but this health issue you went through has really coincided with your new music. You have uh, released a couple new singles, When Tomorrow Comes, back in April, and then Japanese Butterfly, most recently in June, that both really kind of tie into your own battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which... Um, uh, we'll definitely get to the music, but I want to talk to you a bit about the uh, the diagnosis. Like this happened shortly after the pandemic kicked off. What was your mindset when you got the news? It was so crazy. Um, it was like, I mean, it was a surprise to get that diagnosis, anyways. Um, just because, like, I'm young, otherwise healthy, and had no real like reason to think I would get that sort of diagnosis. And then it just so happened that, like, I got that diagnosis on on Monday in March last year. And by basically that, that Wednesday or Thursday, everything was shut down. And nobody was, everybody was afraid to, like, go to the hospital. And everybody's afraid to go outside and see somebody. And then, like, here I am, like, starting, you know, I have to go to the hospital every day now. And I have to do those interactions and... It was pretty crazy, pretty crazy, um, the timing of it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just, uh, I was just constantly thinking about, cause I, so I did it probably, I did, uh, 
to like two months of chemotherapy and then a month of radiation therapy. And so it was like most of last summer, basically. And then I was finally done. So I'm, I'm now I'm on the other side. I have this clear bill of health. I'm like hitting these, these milestones of like, oh, a year ago, I was just finishing up whatever chemo it was what it was. So it's good to be on the other side of it now and like be a full year removed. And, um, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I was thinking about music the entire time too. So, um, they're fully tied into that, that whole, uh, journey that I've been on is fully tied into the music. Like the, the two singles that you mentioned are specifically like I wrote them when I was still in treatment last year. Like I was, that's, that's kind of lyrically the, uh, the subject matter is about that, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but hopefully not too much of a bummer in a bummer way. Um, they, I feel like they're pretty like up-tempo kind of rock songs. So I was, yeah. So if anybody hasn't heard it and is listening, don't, don't expect like some bummer tunes or, <laughs> or anything like that. They're fairly celebratory, I would say. So now when, when Tomorrow Comes was released back in uh, back in April, where were you in terms of your health journey? Yeah, I was fully uh, we perfect. We purposely timed that to to be to line up basically with um, like kind of when I started chemo last year. So I started around the beginning of April, and we released it at the beginning of April, and the music's just kind of like followed that trajectory even now as I'm releasing it. Japanese Butterfly, the next single was released around the time that I was uh, doing radiation therapy last year. Um, But on this year's calendar, it's like I'm releasing new music about that experience and it's come full circle. So um, yeah, it's a trip. It's a trip. It certainly is. Now, I kind of see this as an intersection of three major things. Of course, you do, uh, you go on with your cancer treatment, the pandemic and the complete halt of basically any kind of music. There's no more shows, no more tours, nothing. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, another crazy circumstance. I mean, I was kind of playing out a lot. I was playing with some other bands. I was playing with this band strange pride, like touring with them a little bit. And, I was, you know, doing my own stuff and I just gotten a live band together to do this Jack stuff live, this new band. And I was like really excited about it. Like we, we even had a couple shows booked around this time, around that time last year in the spring. And then, I mean, everything hit all at once, like I said. So my diagnosis hit, the shutdown hit. So everything just went on hold completely. And, um, you know, it was, uh, that part of it wasn't as much of a factor for me as you can probably, like, surmise, I guess, like, um, kind of like my health was like my number one focus during that time. So yeah, it was, it was a bummer that, that things shut down and people couldn't do things, but it wasn't my, you know, my, a priority in my mind. And there's actually a part of me not to like make light of it too much but like I'm kind of like a you know I'm I like working at home I like working at like on music at home I like recording music I like I thrive in that environment anyways so there was a portion of it where I was like 
it was kind of nice in a weird way. I don't want to say nice because I know it was really hard for a lot of people um, and still is, but it was um, to be on the same playing field as everyone. Like, we were all in the same boat in, in terms of, like, being a musician. We all couldn't play shows. Working at home, doing music at home, all that stuff was fine for me. I like that. I like working that way. And so um, I definitely, it came to a point eventually where I was, um, yeah, I would have liked to, like, you know, I don't know. It's it's weird, though, because, like, even I, I would have liked to have played shows, but I was also, like, not in a state where I was looking to play shows. Like, I was pretty, like, like beaten down from treatment and stuff, I guess, ultimately. So I was kind of... Like I said, it was kind of like, I felt like we were all in the same boat in a weird way. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just such a complicated thing to talk about, especially like my take on it. It's just, I feel like it's uh, pretty like heavy, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, um, I yeah. mean, you were dealing with so much at once, you know, um, you know, bad enough that of course everything you know, come to a halt, the impact of people's you know, work and their lifestyles and all. And then you yourself realize, learn that you have cancer. And, and like you said, totally out of left field, your own health was really good. Besides that, how you kept yourself in a good mindset dealing with all this at once. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, actually. I, it's, it's actually just a good, maybe it's a good, like kind of litmus test for, for people like I guess that's sort of my my natural state ultimately like I you know I, I I can come across sometimes maybe to people who really know me sometimes maybe I seem like a little pessimistic or aloof but I think people who really really know me know I'm actually really optimistic and all that sort of stuff just um I don't know it just kind of proved that to me I was just I mean, it sucked going through treatment and it sucked uh, not being able to do anything because of the pandemic and being scared because of the pandemic and all sorts of stuff like that. So it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I just feel I, I just came, I came out of it and went through it and I just sort of, I don't know, it's sort of like magic, I guess. I just was able to see the positive in a lot of, a lot of things. Um, I don't have a great explanation. I didn't, I didn't really like meditate on it every day. I didn't, I didn't do any sort of affirmation or I didn't have a routine of anything. I just kind of, uh, was grateful to be on that, on that journey. It always felt like it always, it never felt like it was, it's such a weird thing because you kind of, you, there's a certain feeling where you feel like it's the end of something and, or it's the beginning and it's really hard to not think of it like as the present and be there in the present. So that's another thing. And that's actually like sort of the new single that I'm releasing, like lyrically is sort of about that, like just being in the present, um, not lo not looking backwards to the past or like what what it was like before the pandemic and what it was like what it's going to be like after like i wonder what it's going to be like to 
to live in those worlds doesn't always uh, breed good, good results. So um, being in the present is really healthy sometimes, just like appreciating where you are, even when it sucks. It's just like kind of amazing that you're even here right now. You know, that's really cool. So Exactly. And I, I think it's important to kind of live, kind of like live in, live in the now, if that doesn't sound too cliche, to like live in the moment because you're not, it's really unknown as to what's going to happen next. So it's a matter of sort of appreciating what you have right now as opposed to wondering, oh, what's tomorrow going to be like or a week from now or a month from now? Who the hell knows? You might even be here. And I mean right. collectively as a whole. Um, yeah. You know, I hope you're here for many, many years to come. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's way easier. It's easier said than done too. Cause I mean, I'm constantly, some people I, I see, um, and I feel like they live in the past a lot and I would probably categorize myself as somebody who's like always looking to the future all the time. And I'm not thinking about the present nearly enough. So it's good to remind yourself of that and just kind of be, you know, in that moment, whatever it is. Have you always been like that? Uh, I've always been looking to the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been in the present very much. Yeah. So I guess, I guess the experience I'm coming out of is really a good reminder of that and something to kind of like kick, kick you in the pants to just, just, uh, appreciate you know life and living and existing in the moment so yeah exactly let's move on to writing when tomorrow comes now now this was now this was written when you were in the middle of treatment how is music for you what what role did this play while you're going through this very difficult time medically yeah in the same way that i was kind of surprised by my overall uh like optimistic outlook on things I felt the same way about the music that was starting uh, to come out. It was really, I mean, these two songs, uh, When Tomorrow Comes and Japanese Butterfly specifically, like When Tomorrow Comes is, is a rocker and a half, I would say. You know, I just, and that's what came out. I was just like ready to rock, you know, and it was just, I was sitting there literally in bed, like feeling sick. And it was just like ready to rock though. You know, I was just like, all sorts of song ideas coming. So, um, yeah, that's where I was at. It's, it's a weird kind of juxtaposition of, um, yeah, like a really, just a, it's just a weird circumstance, I guess, but, um, and a heavy circumstance, but yeah. 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 And as you mentioned, both songs have, have a very upbeat tone to them. They're not like depressing. They're not, uh, they don't sound like, okay, this is going to be a sad song. Was that something that kind of came to you immediately when you were when you were writing When Tomorrow Comes? Did you find that earlier versions might have tended towards a little more a little more of a sad or a little more of a down note? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, um When Tomorrow Comes was came out pretty pretty much the way it came out, but with um with the second single, Japanese Butterfly, that's a good example. When it first came out, it was a little some of the lyrics were a little darker than they are now. And I really took the time to check myself on that because I, uh, tend, I tend that way when I write lyrics anyways. And I, I kind of like get sick of myself doing that. So I was like, when there were like little glimmers of like 
happy thoughts and like optimistic feelings in there. And I, I really tried to grab onto those and I rewrote some of the lyrics to, to highlight that more. Um, like there's one line in that song that's, uh, the original song was something about, oh, the, the line now is, um, you're dying in reverse, which I think is like a, an optimistic line really. And the original line was actually something like you'll, you're leaving in a hearse or something like that, which is like the opposite, you know? And, um, but that's like, I mean, I come from like a rock and roll kind of like dark place. So like darker lyrics are more appealing to me a lot of times, but I checked myself on that one. Cause I really didn't, I don't feel that way. You know, I, I felt the more, the more optimistic uh, way about, about that subject. So, um, yeah, so they went through a little bit of a transformation. Uh, there's part, part of a, some craft to it, but a lot of it came out whole like that as well. All right. Now, listening to the two songs, they are very, very different songs. And I was curious, given that one was written during the middle of your treatment and then one was written right after you finished. Yeah, it's totally, like, I can hear it just in the music, I can hear how different they are and how different my mindset was. So like when you listen to when tomorrow comes, there's almost like a, there's uh, a heaviness to it. It's like a, I mean, lyrically it, it hints at this too, but just sort of like a cloudy, uh, dark feeling, like an ominous feeling and like what's going to come next dot, 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 you know, um, type of type of vibe going on in that song. And then right out the gate, Japanese Butterfly, the second song, which was written right after I finished my treatments, is like, boom, I'm ready to go. And it's just like uh, very upbeat, very, it's just happy and celebratory. And um, that's what they both sound like to me. So yeah, there's totally, you can track my journey through the, through the music, which is uh, kind of fun in, in, a, in a way, so... Mm. Let's talk about journeys because you, I know that these songs are not like one-offs. They're not like, okay, I'm just writing like a couple of things during, uh, during this time of my life. You refer to the music as a cancer journey. Was that your intention when you first began writing the songs that, okay, I'm going to sort of chronicle my life during this time period? No, not specifically. I definitely, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't specifically set out to do that. And, I would say that these two songs are, they're the most pointed examples of that in the new um, music that I'm releasing and I'm going to release. But a lot of this stuff doesn't necessarily have to do with that journey too, specifically. Like I didn't, um, I would I would even say like those two songs, those are written like right in the, right in the thick of everything. And there are songs that I'm going to release that were written right after it, which have very little to do to, well, they have something to do because everything has to do with everything, but they don't have to do specifically with, with that same circumstance as those two songs. But, and then there's stuff that I, that I've been working on for, I've been working on for years before this too. And, and that's had a new life. And as I'm finishing these things up, cause I'm ultimately going to put everything out on an album um, it's recontextualized everything for me, um, in a really nice way. 
Um, now, I know that you also have a new single coming out pretty soon, uh, Conscious Wonder. Yeah. Does that kind of fall into the same lane as the other two songs? A little bit. Um, it's It was written before anything happened, though. So it was written in, I think it was 2019 when I actually started writing it. So before the pandemic is before I had any inkling of any health concerns for myself. But it is about that that feeling that I was talking to you about earlier about existence and non-existence and just um, exploring that really. But yet again, it's uh, pretty upbeat and I mean, it's probably the happiest new song that I have. So it's not, again, not a, not a dark song in, in that sort of way. Not in like a, it's not a bummer. It's actually pretty upbeat, even though it's, it's some of the lyrics really um, talk about some pretty heavy stuff about just existential stuff and death and things like that. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, I guess that's just how I roll. I'm just mixing the two <laughs> together. So, you know, just because you write about death doesn't mean it has to be a sad song. True. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Do people get surprised by the nature of the two songs? Do they kind of expect, okay, he wrote, he wrote about this during his cancer treatment. It's probably going to be, you know, a pretty intense and serious tune, but do they ever say like, wow, I didn't think it would be like this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I guess I, I think I like to think so, I guess. Um, I like to think, I would like to think that people are pleasantly surprised by by that element of it. Because I'd probably, I would probably have some preconceptions if I heard someone talking about <laughs> like that they had cancer and then they wrote a song about it and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go <laughs> like put that on right away and, and dance around then. But that's really kind of what these songs are, you know, like they're, they're celebratory. So I'm, I'm working with that. I, I don't, I don't want it to be a bummer. It's not a bummer. It's like a really kind of awesome, crazy thing uh, to be on the other side of it, to be everything. It's just, it's just, it's a celebration. So Mm -hmm. now working on Japanese butterfly, uh, you weren't solo on this. You worked uh, um, with Anthony Tenorella of strange pride and Seth Botos. Yes. Of uh, lesser glow. Why did you want to work with them and how did you make it happen? Given that you, you, that you couldn't just like, you know, go to the studio. Yeah, it was really fun to collaborate with people this way. Um, uh, so Anthony, I've known for forever, for since we were teenagers, we've known each other, and I've I've toured with his band Strange Pride um, a bunch. So I've gone on tour with them. Seth, I knew a little bit. Um, we had talked a long time ago. Um, when I was in my old synth pop band, the, the Binars, and we had talked about him playing drums for that band at one point, and um, it just never came together, but we stayed in touch, and we've never played music before. I've still never played music with him in the same room, so we, we did this all remotely. He was able to, to record all the drum stuff on his own at his studio, send the files to me, um, same thing with Anthony, just uh, send a bunch of guitar tracks to me, and we made it all work. Yeah. 
it's been interesting how many different artists have been able to maintain releases of music, even during a time when, okay, we can't go to the studio, we can't record a music video the way the way we used to, but they're still able to put this stuff out. Um, given that, I think we've all had a lot more time to spare during this time period, did you find yourself going more and more to music just to kind of vent some stress? Yeah, um, I did, especially especially last year. So now I'm I'm in a different mode right now. Currently, I'm I'm like in what I would say like album mode, where I'm kind of I'm not actively writing right now. I'm recording. I'm actively working on music but I'm not necessarily like writing new songs right now in this moment as we're, you know, in recent months or whatever. But, uh, right after the, right after basically like all last summer into the fall, I was writing a lot. It was, and I, I knew I had enough for an album between, between that and between some of the songs I'd written prior. I just knew, I didn't know exactly how they were going to work together, but I knew somehow they would work together. And um, yeah, that last period was really awesome. Like last fall, I wrote so much just after, I mean, again, after all my treatment and stuff, and I had, I had some, I had more free time. I had like the energy to do it finally. And I was like, just chomping at the bit to do it. So I wrote a bunch of new songs Mm -hmm. after that. How about listening? Did you find yourself uh, discovering a lot of uh, new bands? Not particularly. I wasn't listening to a lot. I was uh, really what I was doing through that whole time uh, during the start of the pandemic, which was also like the overlap of the start of like my treatment and stuff. It was like I was kind of like reverting to myself as a like a, a 10, 11, 12 year old or something. So I was watching uh, I was watching a lot of like wrestling, uh, like classic like WWE back when I was WWF type stuff. Um, and that was like, that was like my comfort blanket through the whole time. I just like, I got the WWE app and I was just like watching old WrestleManias and it was, uh, it just provided me a lot of comfort. And in the same way that it did when I was like, uh, a young, a younger person watching that and enjoying it. So I, I didn't, unfortunately I didn't, uh, explore a ton of new media during this time i was kind of like reverting back to old stuff that i knew i loved and was going to make me feel better so hell yeah man hell yeah Yeah. (laughs) you are talking to a fellow old school wrestling fan too i actually came into wrestling around the time of the attitude era and stayed in till the early uh, 2000s so yeah i i definitely can understand what a comfort zone that can be for you going back to like the era that you love the best. Who was your favorite wrestler, though? Yeah, it's it's tough, but I think I say I think I need to say Bret Hart. Bret Hart's probably my number one. Uh, I just I loved him growing up, and I I he's just like such a good wrestler and like performer. And his like his style is so of wrestling, and like I don't know, especially rewatching a lot of his matches it was it's just like enjoyable to watch like when he has a really good like long epic match he's like the best at that at just having like an hour and a half long 
title match or something and it's like just captivating the whole time yeah that guy can go like there are some wrestlers that are all about uh spot 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 like you know crazy stunt crazy stunt crazy stunt i think uh the hardy boys probably come to mind or the dudley mm-hmm. boys are just like you know insane spot insane spot insane spot bret hart he's just like this workhorse that can just go throughout and it's hard to say like okay what was the best part like, honestly the whole thing was really good there was never really like a break in the action he can just go 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 the whole time absolutely he's he's so it was so good so good to watch him yeah he's definitely definitely uh, a favorite i'd say probably just say he's my favorite yeah. yeah and i really and i won't stay on this for for, for too much longer but uh i um I <laughs> we love, can stay on it as long as you oh, want there you go there you go <laughs> i like to hear that i i loved how like bad guys back in the day were almost given this like magical quality like guys like um uh, Yokozuna or old school Undertaker, when you would you would hit them and they wouldn't feel. It's like, why are they feeling it? What is wrong with this? Why can't I hurt them? And they were given, yeah. they were just imbued with this like magical monster energy that you just couldn't topple. And like, these days, but these days, you know, you know the truth. It's like, yeah, he was just you know, Yokozuna was just this like big guy named like Rodney, and he was like really like fun to be around. Especially if you listen to any of uh, the podcasts, you learn so much mm-hmm. about his backstory. Yeah, man. I'm like when when you're a kid, you see him, you think, "Oh my God, it's evil Yokozuna is here to like destroy America." <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's the magic is just like, uh, you know, it's it's funny because like I I wonder some I've always wondered if sometimes if it was the magic because like I was younger when I was getting into it, or if it was actually better then. And it, it's definitely a little bit of both, but I would say I do think it's better than like. I mean, I just, I don't keep up with, with pro wrestling as much these days. And, and part of it's just cause like, I don't feel like it's as magical and it's not, it's not cause I'm older. I don't think part of it's because I'm older, but part of it's just cause they don't try to make it like fun in that way anymore. It's, it's a different type of, of, uh, of beast now. Yeah. Well, I think it's also because the curtain has been pulled. Like, you know, there was a time when a lot of us thought wrestling was real. And now we know the truth. Now we know, you know, you know, like um, wrestler A and wrestler B, they'll talk about just like killing each other in the, in, the, in the ring. But if you go to their Instagram, you'll see, oh, they're actually like best of friends. And wrestler A actually is like wrestler B's, his kid's godfather or something like that, you know? So like, <laughs> right, all yeah. that mystique is just gone. And now it's almost like watching a movie because like, you know, this isn't real. Just like you know, when uh, when you watch a movie, it, it's not real. But you mm-hmm. suspend that 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 you know disbelief for the sake of enjoying the show. You have to do the same thing with wrestling because you know, yeah, this this is all fake. This is all a work, you know. So it's right. I, I think that's what's changed is that we've had that curtain pulled, and there's no going back. There's no putting that genie back in the bottle. It's over, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's what I've learned from. Uh, from just like keeping up with some like those older guys and like hearing them talk about those old days now is like they wouldn't like they were so into keeping up the the facade of like their personas that like they wouldn't travel together like you would never see one of the heels with one of the baby faces like you'd never see them in a car together even like outside like they were like they wouldn't even go that far um, and now you just couldn't do it because now it's just everything's on Instagram. Like everything, like if they even just like talked for two seconds in the locker room, it'd be on Instagram in a second and everybody would know. And then the the 
you know, the magic's gone immediately. So there's not really a good way to have it, have that anymore. Yeah. There was one time when a wrestler named Rusev and his, um, at the time, fiance Lana, she was also his, um, his, um, uh, manager. And they went through this, through this like storyline where the two of them were like splitting apart. She was on the side of his like hated enemy. And then they got married in real life and posted it on Twitter. It's like, whoops, <laughs> guess we got to drop that whole angle. And so they had to very quickly just kind of shelve. It's like, we're, we're, we're like, she said, oh, I was pretending to hate him. I was really his side the entire time. It's like, right, right, sure, <laughs> sure thing, guys. We believe that shit. So it's, yeah, it's, it's like you said, you know, it's, there's so many ways to find out what's really going on. And I think it's so cool that you had that comfort zone to go back to, to kind of help you sit through the, like a tough time. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah it was great. So given the way things are now, you are in full remission. You have, uh, you recently actually uh, passed your one-year mark of being cancer-free. Uh, the pandemic is winding down, I think we'll say. We have vaccines. What's your plan? Do you think you'll be getting back out there? Yeah, I've started talking to some some people about doing some live stuff. I've, I've wanted to ever since I've started... Um, the Jack project, I, I, well, it initially started as a recording project and then not too long after that, I was like, I'd be cool. I mean, I'm not, I've never been really looking to go too crazy with it. I mean, I would maybe one day, but like I, we haven't even played a show yet. So I at least want to play like a couple of shows locally. I've, I've been wanting to do that for, uh, over two years now, probably. So it's definitely something I want to do. I'm, uh, not actively in rehearsals yet. I don't even actually have the the band fully like lined up or on board because life's just like crazy right now for everybody. But but yeah, but yeah, I've been talking about it and hope to do it in the future for sure. I I I do I do love playing live for sure. Hmm. Yeah. What's in your head right now, given that you're sort of turning these two major corners? Right now, I'm so in, like, my, in the album mindset of, I'm just, like, in all this music. Like, uh, I'm, I mean, it's actually mostly, it's pretty much recorded. Like, the, the album's done, except for there's, really what it is, is there's one song right now that I've just been, like, putting off and putting off, um, because it's felt like it was going to be a lot of work. And it's become very clear that it like needs to be part of the album. So I'm now like in the final stages. So I'm like really honing on just like this one final song for the album that I'm like, I need to finish this one. And it's going to take me a while because it's like quite an undertaking. It's not just a guitar, bass, drums type of deal. It's like uh, uh, strings and like orchestral piece type deal so it's not uh it's out of my wheelhouse which is really fun because i like literally just last night i was like sitting here working out the arrangements and stuff and i've never done that really um but i'm i feel like i'm understanding it and it's really fun to do so um that's where my head's at i'm i'm like i said i'm like actively working on on music and the album i'm not necessarily writing in like a songwriting way, but I'm writing in that I'm still working on music and 
like work on arrangements and stuff. So excellent, excellent. Well, Matt, uh, it's wonderful to hear all the good news regarding your health and the music. And I'm personally loving the songs. Uh, I had the chance to listen to the new song, and folks, you gotta check this one out. It's an amazing creation. But where do folks go to learn more about you and to check out your work? Yeah, you can find Jack the Band at uh, on Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Bandcamp is jack.bandcamp.com, and so the the band name is spelled J A T K, but pronounced like Jack, like Jack of all trades. Um, so uh, yeah, Bandcamp, Instagram, uh, uh, Spotify. Everywhere you get your music, you can find find Jack. So just go go check it out. All right. Well, Matt, as always, great talking to you, man, and look forward to next time. Yes, I hope we can talk about more wrestling next time, too. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a, it's done. It's happening. We're going to do this. All right. Let's do it. Hey, this is singer-songwriter and mental health advocate Stephanie Mathias. Be sure to check out my single Hero Side, available on all platforms now, and listen to Citywide Blackout. Your home for the best indie artists. Okay, everyone. That brings this episode to a close. Follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Huge thanks to Matt for joining me. And be sure to check out all of his music, including a brand new single dropping on July 16th. Listen to the show wherever you find your podcasts and also every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. To close things out, I've got both of the new singles here for you, When Tomorrow Comes, followed by Japanese Butterfly. As always, keep those ears open.
so 